You're listening to a message from Severe Heights. To learn more about us, go to www.severeheights.org. I want you to imagine a conversation on a a Saturday night over the phone. Uh, You decide to call a friend, and uh, the conversation, uh, as the friend answers the phone, he's sitting there with his wife, and he he makes a statement, hey, you know, how are you doing? And you go back and forth, and, and you ask the question, hey, what are you doing tomorrow? And he he thinks about it for a second. He says, not much. What can I help you with? And there is a, a pause because you're anxious. And you vocalize a question. You're like, you know, I'd love for you to come to church with us and, and sit with us. To which it's followed by an even lengthier pause. And he makes it say, hey, you know, we're not into that. Um, it, it's just not part of our routine. And you're like, I know, I know. But, but there's this thing that we're, we're studying. It's kind of in the middle of a series. And And I'd love for you to come because it might really resonate with you in the same way that it's kind of resonated with us. And um, it's only an hour. If you don't like it, uh, I'll apologize. We'll go to lunch, but but maybe you'll like it. He said, well, I'm just not sure. Hangs up the phone. And as soon as he hangs up the phone, his wife says, well, who was that? And what was that about? And he said, oh, such and such at work. Uh, They asked us to go to church in the morning with them. And she's like, we're in. And he says, no, you're in, right? I, I don't do this thing. And, and she's been married to him long enough to know that she can't, she can't push because it would only push him further. And so she takes her hand and places it on his shoulder, scratches his back and said, look, I'm going tomorrow. If you change your mind, just let me know. And Sunday morning comes and he's changed his mind. He's nervous, but they, they come uh, probably, let's say, a 15, 20-minute minute drive from the other side of town, and they, they're familiar with this building, kind of feels a little bit overwhelming, but, but when they pull in and kind of navigate and figure things out, they see people that are kind, and a big church doesn't feel so big after all. Uh, they, they see signs that help them get to the right spots, and then they come into this room, and it doesn't, it doesn't feel as big, and, and people are actually kind and, and helping them find a seat. They sit down and... And we open uh, God's Word together and we study things like, uh, like what we looked at last week. As we examine where the Apostle Paul goes to Ephesus and he asks the question of a, a group that he's about to start a church with. He says, look, I just want you to know this question has been asked because it's stupid for us to think that we would do anything on behalf of God without the power of God. And as they hear the Bible taught, um, it begins to resonate with them in, in some form or fashion, him and his wife. And they're like, you know, if that's true, that, that God created life and gets to determine the purpose of life, we, we do need his power, especially at my work right now, he's thinking. Like, like it's tough. I sure could use God's hand. And even on our marriage and, and parenting. And they may not fully agree yet, but they decide to come back. And as they develop the pattern of coming back, they come in late, uh, they leave early. And it's all right because they're intrigued. You see, uh, their familiarity with church kind of stopped in high school or it really stopped in college. But what they're doing on a consistent basis, if they develop the, the repetition of showing up, as we open God's word, they're putting themselves in a spot, in a seat to hear not informational teaching, but God's word as you open it should be transformational teaching. Like there's a big difference. When you hear it and you read it, and you leave knowing you should do it. And what does it look like if you do it? And, and slowly as God's working in their life, like they're, they're fitting a mold, a new mold. God's shaping them. Shaping him specifically and, and her uh, to be the husband and the wife, to be the employee, the dad, the mom. And, 
And slowly they're experiencing the first element that I want to talk about today, and that is transformational teaching of God's Word. But there's a second element. The second element would play out like this. Imagine fast forward two months. They're kind of starting to consider this place their church home. Um, Suddenly she receives a phone call that her mom passes away. She calls the church and says, "Um, we're not really tied here yet, but we've been coming for a few months and my mom passed and we were curious if we could have access to one of the rooms and perhaps um, our family and friends could come for a funeral. The church goes above and beyond and even reaches out to some people to, to prepare some meals. The pastor sits down with them and talks through some of the details to see what their needs are. And the Thursday night comes for the funeral. And uh, there, there's a small line of their family and friends, but, but as the wife looks, she, she notices a few faces that are vaguely familiar. And it's represented by some of the ladies in this room. Like she met you in the hallway and you guys introduced each other and you sat in the same vicinity and you got about a 10, 15 minute conversation and she's floored that you showed up. And you begin a conversation with her and you just want her to know that, that she's loved and that we as a church care. And in that moment, as you talk to her, you're realizing the answer to the question that we've been asking the last month, if everyone's got someone, maybe she's my someone. And so you press in even more and say, um, your, your mom's death, um, was it sudden or did you expect it? And she said, well, her health was deteriorating and, and it was going downhill, but, but, but we didn't expect it to happen so quick. So truth be told, we have not been prepared for this. And the week ahead is, it's going to be tough on me. I dread it. It's going to be busy. So I got to go to my mom's house tomorrow and go through all her things and I don't know how to do this. And you speak up, because God impresses on your heart, and you're like, hey, uh, my husband has a truck. I'd be happy to go and meet you there. And she's like, no, you don't really have to do this. Um, Like, my mom didn't have that much stuff. And you're like, well, then it'll go that much faster. And she agrees. And the next morning, a car is at her mom's house and your husband's truck. And you're there to help. You kind of keep your space, but you're there to load things and to help her navigate because you've decided you're going to walk beside her until she regains her balance. This is the second element. First is transformational teaching. The second one is humble servanthood. Um, Understand that that transformational teaching on Sundays, like when we open God's word and not just informational, but what do we do with it? Um, It's powerful. But also understand that that humble servanthood, when we go above and beyond because we realize everyone's got someone and we recognize, okay, that's the someone for me, that too is powerful. Ready for this? But when transformational teaching and humble servanthood come together, it's not just powerful, it's beautiful. And it's borderline irresistible. This is the vision that Jesus had for the church. It wasn't just for us to sit in rows. And on the flip side, it wasn't just for us to kind of meet people's needs. The two went hand in hand. The two are our best friends. Uh, If you can, think about this image for a little bit. It's a paddle boat. It's the best I could do. Um, Me and the kids periodically, there's some friends at the church that allow us to go to a pond and fish. And um, we get in the paddle boat. And you'll notice um, there's two seats there and two different sets of pedals. Um, Usually, Elon will be up front and Silas will be in the back and I'm the only one occupying one of the two seats. I'm doing all the pedaling. 
It's not supposed to be that way. Um, some have given a different analogy, not just this one. One uh, this week said, how about peanut butter and chocolate? Like, both are great. But you bring them together, and it's beautiful, borderline irresistible. <laughs> so if you can wrap your, your mind around that imagery as we move forward, I want to talk about both seats. Like one with the transformational teaching. When you hear God's word taught, you're like, okay, we need to do this. But also on the other side, the humble servant, the humble servant who will you go above and beyond just on behalf of others. Uh, let's think through the last week of Jesus' life. He's in the city of Jerusalem teaching every day in the temple. He's soon to be arrested and crucified in the city of Jerusalem. And then he's risen, makes an appearance in that area, and he tells the disciples, say, stay in the city of Jerusalem for a matter of days, and pretty soon we're going to start this Jesus movement. You're going to receive outside help from the Holy Spirit. You're going to do the work of God with the power of God. And the men do this, and guess what the men do? They start gathering here, the temple courtyard, the same place that Jesus taught. And they teach there on a consistent basis. Listen, Acts chapter 2, verse 46, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, so there is a setting much like this. Verse 42 says it this way, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. Um, you got to ask a question, on behalf of the teaching, why is this teaching so important? Like, why is it so important that, that they take time in the first century, right after the resurrection of Jesus, to listen to Peter, James, John? And Andrew talk about Jesus. Well, it's so important to place ourselves among the audience and not approach it above the audience. Like, if you were in that audience, you would realize that Peter, James, John, and Andrew knew the story of the prodigal son. You didn't. Peter, James, John, and Andrew knew the story of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and you didn't. They were there when Jesus taught them how to pray, and we weren't. They were there as Jesus would show the different types of soil and how it represents the human heart. They were there for that. They walked with Jesus for three years, and we who are new to this, we haven't. You see, our Bibles include Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, so we can go back and read those texts on the accounts of Jesus, but Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John had not been written in Acts chapter 2. In other words, if you wanted to learn the ways of Jesus, you needed to be with the guys who are with Jesus. That's what it looked like in the first century. And Jesus' instruction to these guys, get ready, because this is where the, uh, the transformational teaching comes in. His words were Matthew 28, therefore, hey guys, <laughs> go and make disciples, in other words, followers of me in all nations, and then baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I want to pause for a second. Uh, just to give you an update on behalf of last week, like, like we've had 45 people make decisions, and in the next few weeks, starting, it started this morning, I've got sleeves that are wet and I love it, uh, we've got 26 baptisms in the next few weeks unfolding. It's a beautiful, yeah, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful image that, that something special is happening, and Jesus is telling this group, he's like, hey, it, it, this does not stop with you. Like, it goes past you. I invested in you guys for three years so that you would teach others, so that they would become followers of me, and then you baptize them. But look at this. He said, and teach them to obey everything that I've commanded, and surely I'm with you always to the end of the age. Notice, he didn't just say, 
teach them. He doesn't say, like, make sure it's informational teaching. Inform them. No, he says, teach them to obey. That's transformational teaching. That's the practical side, the application. That's one seat. And that happened in the temples as the apostles would teach the audience. But there was the other side. And this side typically took place outside the temple walls in the homes. Back in Acts 2, the followers of Jesus and the early Jesus movement, they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts. This is church life, community. This is humble servanthood. This is the other seat in the paddle boat. If the previous one, the practical teaching is the peanut butter. This one's the chocolate. This is going above and beyond on behalf of people that may never pay you back. And this is exactly what Jesus envisioned in the early church. And guess what? It is, it's moving strong in the first century. It's like they're, they're sailing along. Everything is smooth. People are coming to know Jesus. Baptisms are taking place. No challenge, no crisis. And if you're waiting for the other shoe to drop, it does. It gets normal. Acts chapter 6 verse 1. In those days when the number of disciples were increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained about the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So your first challenge in a local church kind of crosses party lines. People that have a Jewish Background. There are two different types of upbringing. There are those with the Hebraic upbringing and those with a Greek upbringing. And one group is wondering, why are their widows getting taken care of and ours aren't? So people tied to the church are starting to feel neglected by the church. Almost an us versus them mentality happens all the time. I'm super interested in how Peter, James, John, Andrew, and the others are going to navigate this because you know what it's like in your field of work. You can imagine what it's like in their field of work with ministry. Let's say they're giving it everything they've got. They're working hard and there's momentum and a group speaks up and says, you're doing it wrong. It's easy for a leader to get defensive, right? I'm curious how these guys are going to respond. The next few verses show us how they respond. And I want you to know this, the next few verses show severe heights, how to respond. The reason I've crafted this message this way today to close out this series is because the way we started the service, you notice the thing called this church vote. We do it in a creative way where it's not going to get bombarded with Q&As here. You can go to Q&As on other days of the week, but in here we're going to be united in the decision to move forward on behalf of the budget and leadership and addressing how do we navigate crisis as things move along? So I want you to see how the disciples dealt with this. And it gives clarity on how we continue to do this. First, I want you to see the crisis. Back to the question. Like, there's a crisis that showed up. Hey, why are their widows getting taken care of and ours aren't? I want you to notice when this is happening. Ready? Verse 1. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing... This crisis came in a time of growth. I want you to consider this. Churches that grow often experience turbulent waters along the way. 
It's not just churches, it's families. Show of hands, please, just for one second. Uh, how many people have more than one child? Show of hands. All right, remember what it was like to have one? Just go back and forth. Pretty simple. Two, different ball game, right? Three, outnumbered. Four, clueless. It's turbulent waters. Families that grow experience turbulent waters. How about companies? It should resonate with some of you. As your business grows, it's just not the same. Turbulent waters, like, we used to have five to 10 employees and we could all sit around one table and we were all on the same page. But now we've got goals, we've got profit sharing, we've got meetings, we've got evaluations. What used to be held as a conversation, now there's policies and procedures and we have an office manager. Companies that grow experience turbulent waters. And churches that, that grow, they experience turbulent waters. Like when there's a surge and you have to add services and new people are coming and you don't see the people that you used to see because they're spread out in other services. And, and now we've got people coming from other parts of the city and they're learning to connect and we're learning to connect. Like, like there are all these kind of turbulent waters. It's like a middle school kid that, that hits a growth spurt, right? And it just happens. It's hard to keep up. Understand that the Hellenistic Jews and the Hebraic Jews are experiencing turbulent waters. And I can't help but wonder, Peter, James, John, Andrew, what are you guys going to do about this? And it would be easy for them to do a few things. Number one, to get defensive. You don't know how many hours I work. It'd be easy for them to pull rank. Do you know who I am? Saint Peter, right? It would be easy for them to work harder. It would be easy for them to pretend it's not happening like this crisis. Let's just put our head in the sand. It'll have to go away. Let's just ignore it. But instead, these guys do something that we model after. They make a proposal. Uh, they gather the disciples together and they probably selected a, a spokesman, most likely Peter. And Peter was the one that kind of spearheaded the movement of the church in Jerusalem. And he says, hey guys, here's our thoughts on how to address this. Now watch how those two that we talked about, both seats, come into play. Verse number two, so the 12 gathered all the disciples together and they said, hey, it wouldn't be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God, the transformational teaching of the word of God in order to wait on tables. He's putting a strong emphasis. He's like, it wouldn't be right for us to neglect one of these seats in the paddle boat. The practical transformational teaching of the word of God. It wouldn't be right for us as the apostles to stop here we can't neglect this. And someone in the audience could say, do these guys not care about the widows? And so the answer is, hang on, step two. So brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be, look here, full of the Spirit. It's what we talked about last week, outside help. And wisdom. And we will turn this responsibility over to them and we'll give our attention to prayer in the ministry of the Word. Because both Seats are critically important. In and of themselves, it's powerful. But when they come together and hold hands and they're best friends, it's beautiful. It's borderline irresistible. And so he says, so, so let's get seven of these guys. How does that sound to you? They're filled with the Holy Spirit and, and wisdom. And the audience kind of looks at each other and like, 
hey, sounds good. So, verse number five, the proposal pleased the whole group. Thumbs up. And now they begin to choose the seven. Bear with me here. I worked on this quite a bit. Uh, They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism who eventually comes to the point where he trusts Jesus. So, So they've got people from all these different backgrounds that are, guess what? Two things that we need to notice, full of the Holy Spirit and full of wisdom. I don't know if you noticed this, but the names that were brought before you, that you've had chances to examine the last few weeks, these are men and women that are full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, to which some of you would ask the question, well, how can you tell if someone's full of the Holy Spirit? Well, number one, it takes some time. The Apostle Paul gave us an indication to pay close attention over time on how to know if you and I are filled with the Holy Spirit, if we're filled with the Holy Spirit. And we will show these fruits, Galatians 5. We, took, we looked at it last week, love, for even those that are unlovable, joy, in the most difficult of circumstances, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. By the way, th- these are the fruits of the Holy Spirit, not the fruits of Tim. And so as they're looking for leaders, they paid close attention and said, okay, we need, we need them to be full of the Holy Spirit, but we also need them to be full of wisdom. What about wisdom? You know, there's a big difference between being wise and smart. Wisdom is the ability to make healthy decisions when confronted with complex and competing alternatives. Meaning, do you realize there are people that can do great on ACT and SAT and make stupid decisions in life. You know, we looked at this the first week in the series, and we need wisdom on behalf of when we help others. Like, wisdom helps us know when we're helping someone that is not taking initiative to change on behalf of themselves, and we continue to help them. Wisdom shows us that helping is most likely hurting them. And so when they're trying to find leaders to address the issue on behalf of both seats, uh, the, the teaching of the Word of God in the sense in which it's transformational, that's one seat. And this humble act of service that needs wisdom and the power of the Holy Spirit, this church gets together and they say, you know what, we're not going to miss the mark. This is what Jesus wanted and it's, we're gonna, it's what we're going to continue to do. And you Ready? Here's the result. Acts chapter 6, verse 7. So, the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. And a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. And it's because both seats in the paddle boat were occupied. In and of themselves, this one's powerful and this one's powerful, but bring them together, it's beautiful, and it's borderline irresistible. Father, thank you for today, and thank you for a way that we can make sure we're on the same page at accurately reflecting the church that Jesus would want in 2022 in this city.
Thank you for every person in this room that's playing a part in giving, in serving, inviting, investing, and loving. And I pray that as we continue to move forward through the remainder of this year and 2023, we would be careful to make sure both seats are filled and both seats are strong. And I pray this today in Jesus' name.